You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you enjoy. All right, church, good morning. Hi. Hey, guys. All right, let me grab a drink before you start. Mike, I think that last little chorus got me. Ah, can't even talk. All right. Well, if you have a copy of God's Word, I'd invite you to turn to the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 this morning, uh, verses 10 through 17. If you don't have a copy of God's Word with you, we'd encourage you to take that Black Pew Bible there right in front of you. You can turn it to page 953, be able to follow along with us as we work through a portion of God's Word uh, today. So... Mel and I have been married for 14 years, and we've learned a lot. You just learn a lot of stuff uh, when when you're married. And one thing that we've heard from a lot of people is that opposites attract. And Mel and I are very different in in a lot of ways. Um, But one way in particular, when it comes to home projects, um, I've realized that we are two very different people. Mel is the builder of our marriage. Um, she envisions things. She like she's good working with her hands. Uh, she like she's fixed way more things in our house than I have. Um, and so like Mel, Mel's the builder. Mel's the one that's like, listen, all right, here's a problem. I'm not I'm not afraid of it. Let's go in and get it done. Um, I am more of a demolition guy. Now, Pastor Mike has kind of brought brought this up before. Like I'm great at um, you. Know, you want to give me a crowbar or a sledgehammer? I will break things down. Um, I will even offer to, to clean it up after I'm done, but I know my lane. I am not a hands-on builder kind of guy. I will read about it. I will encourage others while, while others do it, but I, I'm more of a demo guy. I am more of, hey, I can help break things down, but building things up, I know my lane. I'm not, a, I'm not ashamed of it. This is who I am. So over the last three chapters... The Apostle Paul has been dealing with the demo people within the church in Corinth. Um, we've read, I've, I've preached two messages already on, on the, the division that had been going on within the church body. People were fighting over different leaders. They're fighting over what, what their gathering should look like whenever they come together. They fight even over how the gospel should be presented. And so over the last three chapters, Paul has made it a point to really focus on the demo people within the church and correcting the the division um, that has been going on. And listen, we all know, anyone that's been around church for any amount of time know that church is full of these same types of people. There's demo people that are there to cause division and break things down, but then there's also people that, that also build it up. And God has gifted people within the church to really do just that. So for the past three chapters, Paul has dealt with the demo people, but today he begins to change his tone, at least in these verses. Paul addresses the builders within the church today. Paul addresses those people that that love the body of Christ, that want to see it succeed, that want to hand off to the next generation, the church, better than how they found it. And today in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Verses 10 through 17, Paul gives us three ways that you and I can build up the church. And many of you here say, I want to build up the church. I want to leave it better than how I found it. Raise your hand. The rest of you guys, you guys are all dead to us. I'm just kidding. No, not really. 
But today, Paul gives us three tangible ways that you and I can build up the church. And here they are. First is that you and I can lay a firm foundation. Lay a firm foundation upon who Jesus is and what he has done. Second, you and I can live for things that last. And we'll, we'll get into what that means. And lastly, we can long for the church's good. And church, in a world where church is looked down upon and all people ever bring up are the bad things that happen, all the scandals, all, all the division, whatever it may be, this portion of scripture gives you and I tangible, hands-on things that you and I can do to build up the bride of Christ today. I'm excited to be able to, to get into what those things are. But before we do, let's just stop and ask God's blessing over our time in God's word today. So let's pray. Father, God, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for the sufficiency and power of your word. God, when, when Paul wrote this, he didn't write these things down praying that I hope these things may work. God, we've seen it throughout church history that when we are committed to laying a firm foundation for living for things that last and for longing for the church's good, God, things happen. Your spirit moves. And God, we pray, Lord, that you would do that same exact thing even within our body today. God, we know that it's not perfect as, as we know that there is no perfect church out there. But we know that we have a Heavenly Father who is. And, and the message of the gospel, God, that's is still changing people's lives. It's still transforming our hearts. So God, as we open up your word today, God, may people not remember me at all. May they remember, God, um, the work that, that you've done in their hearts today. And God, we just lay this time aside that you, would, that you would do what you do best. Take the truth of your word and plant it into the hearts of people by your Holy Spirit, God, change us into more and more the likeness of your Son, Jesus Christ. And we pray all these things, Lord, in the name of the risen Savior. Amen. So church, before we get into these three tangible ways, I want you to understand a little bit just about the building project that you and I are all a part of. So look with me in verse 9. So we're going to kick up just one more verse. Paul is entering into this idea as we get into 10 through 17. And Paul says this, he says in verse 9, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. See, church, often throughout scripture, um, the writers give us different pictures and analogies of, of what the church is. Paul had, just thought, Paul had just talked about last week, the fact that we are a field where God's workers go and some plant and some water. But then in verse 9, he says, you are God's building. So when we say God's building, we're not talking about a structure that we gather in. God's building is actually us. We are the building projects. And looking around, including myself, there are some fixer-uppers in here. There are people that are like, hey, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. If we're honest, all of us need to be transformed more into the likeness and image of Christ. So let's not be arrogant and think, well, they need work and I don't know. We all need work. So we are God's building project. We're talking about the people of God here, not any structure that we, that we gather into worship. But then in verse 10, he brings out two other really important things. In verse 10, it says, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. 
So the first thing that Paul wants us to understand is that, listen, this is a continual building project. Much like I-81, the work is never done, right? They do one, they, they fix one section, and then they just move on to, to the next, and it, it's just a continual process. Listen, I'm from, I'm from New Jersey. You can say whatever about our driving. Our roads are good. We're up here. That's not the case. It is a continual building project. And Paul says, listen, I laid a foundation. Paul, Paul's referring to the 18 months that he spent in Corinth where he shared the gospel, where he invested in people's lives, where the church was started. But then he recognizes that someone else is now building upon it. Church, our, our church was founded in, in the 1950s with, with a group of believers that wanted to reach Dunmore and, and Troop with the good news of the gospel. They laid a foundation for us, and every generation since then, we pick up their tools and continue building, building upon what they have already done. Paul said, listen, I laid the foundation, but you got someone else is building upon it now. We are a continual building project. But Paul also wants us to understand that not only is this work ongoing, but we need to be mindful and careful of how we work. Look at that last, that last part in verse 10 where it says, let each one take care how he builds upon it. Friends, this is the only command within our entire portion here from, uh, from verse 10 through 17. This is the only imperative. And what Paul is saying here is that, listen, let us take care. Let us be watchful. Let, let us build carefully. Again, I'm not a builder, but I've researched them on Google. And normally, so when contractors come in, they know what they're doing. If they have a building project, they know the blueprints. Um, they, they, they acquire the right materials. They line up the right workers. They have a pulse on every single aspect of, of the building project. And so Paul says, listen, if we are to build well, we need to be mindful of how we build, how we're building upon the, the foundation that has been laid within any local church. So again, we are the building project. This is an ongoing process. And we are called to think about how we build. And after that reminder, Paul gives us, gives us the three things we need to build up the body of Christ, not only here within our local body, but anybody you may be a part of later on down the road in life. So the first thing he, he, he tells us is that, listen, we need to lay a firm foundation. Rebecca Swanson's world literally caved in on Sunday morning, January 9th in 2005. See, her home in Orange City, Florida, slipped into a giant sinkhole. You've heard of these things. At 7 a.m., she heard this loud crack, and she went to run out the front door, but the door was jammed shut. And she was able to then grab her son and some animals and escape throughout the back door. And for the next hour, she watched as her home slid into a 120-foot-wide, 40-foot-deep sinkhole. She lost everything. And friends, that's her story is a reminder of the importance, of how important it is to build upon a firm foundation. And in verse 11, Paul reminds us that the person and work of Jesus Christ is the only foundation that will last. In verse 11, he says, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Friends, we can, churches have been built on all sorts of foundations. 
They've been built on personalities. They've been built on different leaders. They've been built upon um, unique teachings that do not correlate with Scripture. They've been built around social causes and ways to reach into, into the community. But none of those things will last. Leaders will move on. They'll lose their influence. When people realize that, that certain teaching and theology cannot transform their lives, they're going to leave. And when social causes are not popular anymore, and when, when things don't measure up, that foundation is going to crumble. And Paul says the only foundation that will ever last is that is that is upon what Jesus Christ has done for us. And so I know this is kind of an abstract thing, but I wanna I wanted to share with you what the Bible tells us about who Jesus is and what he has accomplished. And, and give you some tangible ideas on the foundation of how we can build our foundation upon Jesus Christ. The first one simply is this, that we believe that Jesus is our Messiah and the Lord. Friends, the Bible teaches that Jesus is more than just a good teacher. He is more than just an example to follow. He is more than even a prophet of God. We believe that Jesus Christ is the sinless, perfect Son of God, God in the flesh. And this is one of the foundations that we've built, one of the aspects of Christ that we've built our foundation here at Grace. So listen, if you're here for the first time and you're kind of wondering what does this church believe, this is it. We believe that Jesus is our Messiah, our Savior and Lord. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus asked his disciple Peter, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter replied, you are the Christ, the, the Lord, the Son of the living God. And Jesus responded to Peter and says, you are Peter, and on this rock, on this foundation, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So our foundation as a church, begins with who Jesus is. He is our Messiah and our Lord. He is worthy to be worshipped. He is worthy to be trusted in. And church, we lay that foundation each and every week when we remind ourselves that there is no one greater to live for and there is no one better to trust in than the person and work of Jesus Christ. And every time we gather together, we are reminded of that fact because we are a forgetful people. But we remind ourselves, Jesus is worth it. We remind ourselves that no other, no other religious leader is, is, has risen from the grave. And no other person is going to call us back to heaven someday. Jesus is worth our worship and our adoration. But not only do we, do we believe that Jesus is our Savior, we believe that Jesus is the only way to God. See, Scripture states that we are all sinners. And the only hope for us to restore our relationship with God is through a personal walk with Jesus Christ. It isn't about pursuing good deeds. It isn't about making a difference in your community. It isn't about trying hard or following a religion. It's only through Jesus. John 14, 6, Jesus speaking says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if it came out of Jesus' mouth, 
it's good enough for us as well, church. That the only way that you and I can, can restore our relationship with God is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen, we, we just talked about it. That last song we, we sang together, it says, Our sin created a chasm between us and God that was impossible to get across. And that all changed the day that Jesus died on the cross. He took our sins upon himself and offers us his perfect righteousness instead. And when we turn from our sins and place our faith and trust in Jesus alone, our sins are forgiven. Our relationship with God is changed. And our eternity is secure. Jesus is the only way to God. Friends, that is the good news of the gospel, that we can't get to God on our own, but Jesus provided a way back. And we lay that foundation week in and week out when we unashamedly proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus as the only way for salvation. Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. And so week in and week out, daily, we preach the gospel to ourselves. We proclaim it to our kids. We, we share it with our neighbors. Because we truly believe that Jesus is the only way back to God. And lastly, the last part of the foundation is that we believe that Jesus is the only one that truly satisfies. See, the good news of the gospel isn't just that Jesus came to save us from our sins, but that he also came to give us eternal life now. Jesus doesn't say, hey, this is kind of the starter pack, but when you get to heaven, everything else is going to, be, is going to change. He says, no, I want to give you life, real life, right now. John 10.10, 10, Jesus says, I come so that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Friends, we believe that our most fulfilling life is following Christ's ways and submitting to what God's word has for us and living by his standards and, and doing things his way and not our own. And while, of the, while the things of this world may satisfy us for a moment, they will never bring the satisfaction that Christ offers. Never. And the more we point ourselves and each other to the person and work of Jesus, the more we lay a firm foundation for everything else. So the first way that you and I can build up the body of Christ is by laying the firm foundation of who Jesus is and what he has done. It is reminding others in conversation how the gospel impacts each part of their lives. We can forgive much because we have been forgiven. We can love and serve others because we have been loved and served as Jesus went to the cross. We can, we can experience freedom and joy no matter the circumstances, knowing that we have a high priest who experienced everything that we are going through right now yet without sin. We lay the foundation that Jesus is enough and, his, and, his, and only his way is what satisfies. But our work doesn't stop there. 
Because the second way that we build up the body of Christ is by living for things that last. See, in verses 12 through 15, Paul points us to a day when all believers will stand before God and give an account of what we've done from the moment we believe in Jesus to the last breath that we breathe. That moment is called the judgment seat of Christ. And I don't have the time to get into every single detail about it. It is a fascinating subject. Um, but I will, I will point you to a book. What I do, again, I'm a researcher, not a builder. But a book that's been really helpful for me is by a guy named Erwin Lutzer called Your Eternal Reward. Um, he focuses on the judgment seat of Christ and about the different rewards that we can earn and also talks about how the things that we should be focusing on along the way. It is a fascinating read if you've never read it. But today I'm just going to give you just a brief, a brief overview of that time. You see, Scripture points to a day, a time when this is going to happen. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. See, Paul is writing here to believers. This, this, this is a judgment for believers. This isn't a judgment on whether or not you get to heaven or not. The fact that you're standing before the judgment seat of Christ means that you're in. Means that you've already accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. This isn't a final evaluation to say, well, you said that you were a Christian, but let me, let me look at your deeds to see if you really made it in or not. This isn't a final exam. This is just a way for us to give an account for what we've done ever from the moment we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior to the moment that he takes us home. And, what, and what's going on here is that we will give an account of how, we will have, how we've used our time, our talents, our treasures to build up the body of Christ. You see, salvation is a free gift, something that you, you didn't earn it in the first place. And because you didn't earn it, it also means that you cannot lose it after the fact. That is all a work of God. That is a gift that we freely receive. But the, the judgment seat of Christ, we will give an account for what we've done after that fact. And Paul lays out two possible outcomes when we stand before the Lord. And in verses 12 through 15, he, give, he gives those, those two possibilities. In verse 12, it says, Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will, will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. And if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Church, there is a whole lot there. Paul mentions two types of building materials. You see that? We have gold, silver, precious stones. They stand for things that carry eternal value. Things, excuse me, that will last for all of eternity. They are obedience to Christ, perseverance in trials, serving others, and investing in eternity. The other building materials, wood, hay, straw, stand for the temporary things of this life. They're good deeds done with sinful motives, selfishness, and investing in things that have no eternal value. And those who have lived for the Lord and invested in things that matter will be rewarded by Christ. 
Scripture speaks of the, uh, of the faithful receiving crowns, experiencing intimacy and joy with Christ, and receiving the condom, condom, commendation, not condemnation, that would not be good, commendation, well done, a good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of, of, of the Lord. Those whose lives were focused on the temporal things of this life will suffer great loss from a life wasted on things that did not matter. And listen, while they will still be saved, because it's not based upon what they've done, it's based upon the promises of God. Like a person running from a burning home with just the clothes on their back, they will have nothing. When they stand before the Lord, they will stand before him empty-handed. What Paul is doing here, he is just reminding of something that C.T. Stout said so uh, beautifully, where he says, only one life will, will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. So let me ask you these two questions. One, what are you investing in? What matters the most in your life right now? What are you putting your energy, your time, your talents, and your treasure towards? Friends, there is nothing worth giving our lives to more than the kingdom of God. Nothing. But the other question is, who are you investing in? Again, if, if the building project is the people of God, and I believe it is, Paul is begging us to ask the question, who are you pouring yourself into? Who are you encouraging in the faith? Who are you being an example towards as, as they watch you live your life? Who are you pointing back to the truths of the gospel Every time you see them, who, who are you praying for? Who are you walking side by side with? Because the question isn't just, so many, oftentimes we think of the judgment seat of Christ as this one-on-one -on -one thing. It's just me and God at that point. And there is a truth to that because we all will be held accountable for what we have done. But there is also a communal aspect of this as well. That we have been placed here to build up the body of Christ. And one of the ways we can do that is that we live for things that last, for things that hold eternal value. And every time I come to this passage, there's always some regret there of opportunities that I've already wasted. people that God has brought into my life that I have not served them well. But the beautiful thing about this is there's still time. There's still hope. Things can change. And so my prayer is that as we think about what are we investing in, who are we investing in, is that we leave this place with the brand new persistence that I'm going to lay the foundation of Jesus. I'm going to live for things that last. I'm going to be, I'm going to be willing to step out in faith. 
and do those things that I know God's been calling me to do for a while, and I haven't done. Church, tomorrow's a new day. And Paul is writing the Corinthian church, not saying that, hey, you've lost all of it, but, but saying, reminding them, there will, we will give an account for what we've done, so let's invest wisely now. Let's live for things that last. And friends, the last, last thing that, that I see in this portion is found in verses 16 and 17. Those who build well long for the church's good. In verse 16 and 17 says, Do you not know that you are God's temple? And that God's spirit dwells in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. I read those verses, like, oof. You're like, goosebumps. Like, God isn't messing around here. But something that I, I want you to see, I, I want you to understand two things. First is that every time you see the word you there, it is plural. It's not singular. God isn't talking about you as an individual. God is talking about the, the local body of Christ in Corinth and is addressing our local body here at Grace Bible. The word literally is, if you want to just change it in your thinking, it's y'all. It's all of you. Think that, Chris Allison, wherever you are. That's for you, buddy. Y'all. He's like, you all are God's temple. You, are, you all are the place where God dwells. See, the temple was a place where people would go to to experience the presence of God. The Holy of Holies was there in the Old Testament. That was a place where God dwelled. But he said that changed after Christ came and died and rose again, and God created this thing called the church. Because now he says, I don't dwell in a temple anymore. I dwell with you. God dwells inside of, of every single believer, but I also believe that God dwells within the local body as well. And so this is a communal aspect, not just a, a, an individual thing. But then in verse 17, God gives a strong warning. He says, listen, anyone that destroys my church, I will destroy him. Anyone that, that destroys the temple of God are going to face consequences. That word destroy, it can also be translated damage or defile. God isn't saying, listen, you, you destroy my church, I'm going to annihilate you. I don't think that's what he's getting at here. But I think he's getting at the idea that our consequences, that our actions always have consequences. Like a rock that you throw into a lake or a pond, those ripples that go out, our actions ripple into the greater body of Christ. So what, what Paul is getting at here is that you need to understand that when you and I decide to, to act accordingly, what we think is right, and sin and rebel against a holy God, he says it doesn't just impact you and your relationship with God. It impacts the greater body. That's why we do things like church discipline here. That, that's why we pursue people who have walked away from the Lord to hopefully restore them back to a right relationship with God and with, with a right relationship with each other as well, with, with the body here. But Paul makes the warning that, listen, if you hurt my bride, I'm coming. I'm coming after you. And so to flip that, the way that we build up the body of Christ is that we long for the church's good. That we want the very best 
for the local, for the body of Christ here. That we understand that, yes, our actions have consequences. And I want the very best, not only for myself, not only for my family, but for every other member here. That our, uh, that our actions have consequences and that what we do impacts the local body of Christ. And in a culture that is so individualistic, this may be hard to grasp, but we got to understand, guys, it's not just about us as individuals. It's about us as a body of Christ here. So we long for the church's good. We want the very best for this body here. So what, what exactly does that mean? It means that we think not only about what's best for ourselves, but what is best for the entire body. It means that we stay faithful when things get hard. We don't just leave. We serve faithfully here. It means putting the needs of others before ourselves. It means being an example of what it looks like to follow Jesus for the next generation. Man, so often, I, something that I just do in my head sometimes, I think, how would my action, whatever thing I'm thinking about doing, how would it impact my wife and kids? What would happen if if they found out about this? What would happen? How would they be impacted by this action I'm considering to take? And it may also be good to think, how would my action, whatever I'm thinking about doing, how would it impact my church family? Would it encourage them to keep following after Jesus, or would it discourage them in their walk with Christ? We need to think those kinds of thoughts. We need to long for the church's good. Friends, let me remind you of one thing as we, as we wrap up. That, friends, the body of Christ is worth building up. It is. First Corinthians, so, many, so often people think of this book as just a, a book about issues that go on within a church. And, yes, they cover a lot of it. But First Corinthians as a whole what was written so that you and I would see the beauty of the bride of Christ that we would learn to, to love the fellowship more deeply, that we would be able to learn to understand what God is, has done and what God continues to do here. The, the specialness that God brings people together from all different uh, races and economic social standings, but we're all here. Friends, I'll be honest, there's some of you here, we wouldn't be friends if it wasn't for the good news of the gospel. I'm not a likable guy, <laughs> and, and there's so many other barriers, but, but the gospel breaks down all of those things. 1 Corinthians is, is all about the beauty of the gospel bringing us together, helping us to work through our differences, understanding that, that there is nothing worth doing more than living for the kingdom of God. The body of Christ is worth building up. Now listen, today's message has been mostly focused on, on church, on church people. But I want to speak to those today who have never placed their faith and trust in Jesus just for a few moments. And then we're going to wrap up. We'll sing one more song. We'll be done. Friends, the same foundation that God calls the church to lay is the same foundation that God invites you to today that you would build your life on some of those same things. See, Scripture teaches that all of us are born sinners. We have rebelled and disobeyed a holy God. 
And that sin, those acts of rebellion have separated us from God. And we cannot cross that chasm on our own. We can't do enough good works. We can't try hard enough. It's not about being sincere and believing something. It's not, it's not about going to church or following a religion. None of those things work. But God, in his deep love for you, moved first, and he sent his son Jesus, who lived a perfect life, who died on the cross in our place for our sin, is taking all, all of our punishment that we deserved upon himself. And God turned his back on him while he was on the cross. Not only did he die, but three days later he rose from the grave, and he promises eternal life for everyone who turns from their sins and places their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So that same foundation, that Jesus is the Messiah and Lord, is something that you can affirm today, and you are invited to affirm today. That same foundation, that Jesus is the only way to God, you are invited to make that decision today. That there is no other way to get to God outside of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. The scripture simply says it's not about making a commitment. It's not about making sure my life from this moment is, is, is perfect. It is simply coming to Jesus in all humility and saying, I have sinned against a holy God. But I am trusting not only in what I, not, not in what I have done, but what Christ has already done for me. And you can receive free gift of eternal life today. Your eternity will be changed forever. You will be a child of God and you will become part of the body of Christ that we have talked about this morning. So if that's you today, if that's a choice that you need to make, I would encourage you to make it. Do not leave this place without talking to someone. You can mark it on your Connect card and someone will follow up with you this week. You can come talk to me after the service. You can pick up uh, one of these information packets here with the Gospel of John and another book that answers some of the other questions about life and faith. We would love to help you take that next step. But don't leave here today without knowing for sure that, you, that your sins are forgiven, that you are a child of God. So I'm going to invite the praise team forward, invite the prayer team up as well as we uh, get ready just to close out our service today. And as they're coming up, why don't you stand with me? Let me pray over you guys, and then we'll sing one more song. Father, God, I thank you so much for your word today. God, I thank you, God, for the hope that, that we've been given through 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 17. That God, Lord, yes, the church oftentimes is a mess, God, but there are things that we can do to help build it up by laying a firm foundation, by living for things that last, and for longing for the church's good. God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us do, do just that, that you give us a heart for your people. Give us an understanding, God, that we have the opportunity and are given the responsibility to build each other up. God, you have worked so mightily within our church, and we praise you for that, and we ask, God, that you would just continue to do just that, that your spirits would, would continue to dwell here, that your spirit would work in our hearts and God, for the people, God, that are afraid of taking that next step, God, would you, would you give them courage? 
for those whose, whose lives are filled with sin and they're, they're, they're damaging the testimony of the church, God, bring conviction today. Help them to walk away from that sin, God, into, into a greater restoration with you. But God, I pray that this would not be a place, God, where it's all about us, but it's all about your kingdom, your son, Jesus. And we are investing, God, in our eternal home with you. We love you, God. I love these people. Would you work in their hearts today? Work in my heart as well. I pray all these things in the name of our risen Savior, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com.